everyone. Before we get started, we wanted to let you know about our venue consulting. We have broken up our offerings into four distinct needs, design, sales and client experience, marketing, and those all-important SOPs. You can take advantage of one or all of these tricky spots for your venue. If you want to learn more and get a few more details, head on over to hustleandgather.com to see how we can work together and reach your venue goals. All right, let's get to today's show. I love that, like unabashedly, like I'm in business to make money because I think it really uh, goes back to some of his core values. He was talking Mm -hmm. about how when he is not with his daughters, right, Right. he is telling them at that moment that what I'm doing is slightly more important than than being with you at this moment. And if it's not making me money or not doing something beneficial, right, right, then what's the point? Welcome to Hustle & Gather, a podcast about inspiring the everyday entrepreneur to take the leap. I'm Courtney. And I'm Dana. And we're two sisters who love business. On this show, we talk about the ups and downs of the hustle and the reward at the end of the journey. We know all of the challenges that come with starting a business. Between operating our wedding venue, doing speaking and consulting, and starting our luxury wedding planning company, we wake up and hustle every day. And today we're talking just the two of us about last week's episode with Greg Hedgepeth, CEO and owner of Substantial Magazine. Substantial Magazine focuses on the promotion of influential and affluent minorities, spotlighting their successes and discussing relevant issues that directly affect our communities. If you haven't heard last week's episode, go give it a listen and come back to hear our thoughts. All right, Court, let's get started. Let's get started. All right. Uh, that was an amazing episode. It was so good. I it could have gone on forever. I know. I knew it was going to be amazing when, in the very beginning. And I was getting goosebumps. He was telling me that story. I was like, this is good. Mm-hmm. Great. Like, we should start there. He was talking about that story. And he basically, the whole point of the story was everyone needs a why. Like, you're not going to be successful if you don't have a why. Yeah. But what I loved about it is it wasn't just like, oh, you have to have a why in life. It was like, okay, you think you're hot shit, but let's actually... Like everything you do, every action you have needs to have a purpose, needs to have yeah. a reason behind it, not just to be, just to be. Yeah. Right. No, no, I thought that was amazing. That is kind of amazing. So what's your, what's your why? What's your reason and purpose? In what aspect of my life? I don't, I don't know. I, know. I guess <laughs> no. business, because we're talking business. Um, I, I think it changes yearly, honestly. I think sometimes mm-hmm. it's very clear. Sometimes it's not. I think that. I love our team. I yeah. feel like to me, a lot of times that is the why. I think it's why we hold on. We have held on to CND events for so long because it's unimaginable not to have the team and not to be a part of the team. I would agree with that. But I, I feel like that that is what it is. I think it's I think it's amazing. Like, and he mentioned it in the podcast too. Like fostering that next generation of entrepreneurs, I mm-hmm. think is like a really thing to do as well. No, I love that. I, I, I agree with that. I agree with that C&D, but it's for me personally, it's not so much about the client as it is mm-hmm. about the team at this juncture. Do you know what I'm saying? I mean, I agree. Well, yeah. Like you have to have clients to have a business. Right. So there's but, that. But. but I think in the very beginning, my why was because I wanted to serve people. And I, I still think that is what it is. I think there is a portion of being in the events industry that you want to create this moment for people. And it's not even just create this beautiful wedding. There have there have been weddings that have been really hard emotionally because of a, a parent that has passed away. Mm-hmm. Or like for Becca, remember, it was like, it was like two, last year, two years ago, she had a client where the father of the groom, groom. passed away two days before the wedding. 
No, he died. Oh, on the day. It was the day of the rehearsal, the morning, the morning of. He died of a heart attack. And they he shocked were, everybody. Nobody knew. Right, nobody he had it was no, unexpected. Yeah, no symptoms. And he they rallied and had the wedding the next day. And she said it was the most emotional day. But like can you imagine serving somebody in that moment, knowing that mm-hmm. they are just so much grief that they are yeah. experiencing. And that if you can just be a ounce of help mm-hmm. to execute this day, to make it, you know, something bearable, yeah, you know, and something beautiful all at the same time. Like that, that's amazing. Sometimes I think about that. Like, I think when you think of a wedding, it's not just this union of two people and this amazing party. It is a time that can be very stressful. It can be very emotional, very, very overwhelming. And that's the reason why I got into it. It's not, it wasn't to be millionaires. It wasn't to be rich. It was to help serve people. And I yeah. still think that's the core of our company. Oh, yeah, totally. I'm just, I was talking about our particular role in the company. Like, I right. serve our employees and our mm-hmm. employees, in turn, can serve their clients. And the better that I can serve my employee, the better they can serve oh, their 100%. clients. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was mean, just saying like right now. Well, yeah. But, and I'm, my point is that it evolves. Yeah. I think it does evolve. Yeah. Totally. Like your why doesn't have to be the same all the time. Yeah. yeah. And it's totally not, but I love that. I love that kind of having that focus and that why I think it was a super powerful story. Mm-hmm. I feel like I struggle with why though, because my why changes not like year to year, but sometimes day to day. You know what, <laughs> you know what I loved about, about interviewing Greg is I love how like honest and transparent he was. So this magazine is, it impacts communities. Yeah. I mean, it is, it is telling stories of minority owned businesses. I mean, there is, and even though like, you know, 2020 happened and all that, like it is such an impactful and needed thing in our communities. Right. Well, they were poised to be an impact because I mean, like right. coming back in 2018, like they were like kind of like teed off for 2020 and they were, he said that they were already a trusted member right. of kind of impartial right. storytelling. So it, they were able to really make an impact in 2020. Right. So I can imagine like his, like why that's part of it, right. Is right. to bring these stories, but a large part of his why is to be a successful business person. And there's a lot of times I think as a business person that you're almost like ashamed of saying that, like I did this for the money. Like I got into this to make money and no one, I think really like admits that. I think you do struggle with that. (laughs) Yeah, but it's true because you, to be an entrepreneur, it can't just be about the money. It has to be about a passion and desire of what you want to do. And I, I think it's, I think it could be equal. And yeah. a lot of times you're afraid to say it's equal or you're afraid at some points and at some point in life in different years, the desire and the passion outweighs the passion to make money. And some years the money outweighs the desire and passion to serve your clients. Like it's kind of like this yeah. teeter totter. And sometimes it balances out. And I think that when you're in a place that you're doing well and you're creating revenue, it does balance out. Like you're fulfilled by what you're actually doing. And you're fulfilled by the money that you're bringing home and you feel like it's worth it. Yeah. Right. But I love that it's unabashedly like. Well, he said he's either going to scale it or he's going to sell it. And he's open to both. Right. Which I think is like amazing. It is amazing. That's a like, that's such a amazing thought. And I think, I think it's, I think that's fine. I do feel like that we would just have an expensive hobby if it went 100% up to Dana because Dana is like, you're so giving, like you right. want to do something well, for nothing. Well, and because, because I, I'm more rooted in the why of helping people than you are. 
It's not it's people. No, no, it is not helping people. Your focus is a little more client. My focus is a little more team, I feel like. Like I am all about like the why of building a company and building an infrastructure that supports like people eating and yeah, paying no, for their I, family. I disagree I, with that. Yeah, so I, you could disagree. I'm saying, I, I'm not saying you don't do that. I'm saying my desire to help my clients does not outweigh my desire to build a team. It may outweigh my desire to make a, me personally make a bigger paycheck. Like that is the truth. Like I would sacrifice my paycheck over helping somebody or making sure my, my employees made more money because this is what we did for a very long time. And I, I agree with the assessment that I put clients first a lot of times before the actual like business profitability, but yeah. I wouldn't say I put it before my team. I don't put my clients for my team necessarily. No, I, I got into business. I'm of the same mindset. Like I got into business to make money. Like that's the reason for the business. And I've told Dana on multiple occasions, like when we, when she was really client interfacing, like this is not a 501c3 Dana, like we're not a nonprofit. We don't have it's a status. <laughs> but I will say as I have worked, like the most weddings I've worked in a while in the spring and like, they've all like been amazing and wonderful. Like the reason why we are successful it's true. is because I'm, I'm aware of being uh, wanting to be a 501c3. That's right. Absolutely. And the reason we have employees is because we're not. Right. <laughs> exactly. No, I totally love that. I love that. Like unabashedly, like I'm in business to make money because I think it really uh, goes back to some of his core values. He was talking mm -hmm. about how when he is not with his daughters, right? right. Oh, yeah. He is telling them at that moment that what I'm doing is slightly more important than, than being with you at this moment. Yeah. And if it's not making me money or not doing something beneficial, right, right, then what's the point? Right. Like you've lost focus. No, that is true. But it's true. But I've had many, I mean, like we were, I think it was like 2017 when I had like 28 weddings or something. I remember every weekend I was like, I remember I missed Ada's first tooth, losing her first tooth and like, you miss so many moments and you're like, is this worth it? And at that moment, I could have told you that it was not worth it. It yeah. wasn't worth it. it. This What I was doing was not more important than my family. And and I resented it greatly. I think when you get those values mixed up or like they're not aligned with how you really feel, I think that does that is what creates the resentment. Well, because at that time I was working, I was, it's not like I was working hard and I was like, okay, but... I made X amount of money. So therefore I'm going to, we're going to all go on a great family vacation in two weeks. No, I was making nothing. I was really? making no you, money. You got a dining table. Yeah. <laughs> one time when <laughs> it was like back in 2012, but like, I remember thinking there was, it wasn't worth the trade-off. It wasn't like yeah. I was working this hard and we were going to be okay enough for me to be able to create a time of a different experience. Or I was going to be upset. I'm going to work hard this weekend. I'm going to take three days off. That was not going to happen. I did not feel like it was more important. I just felt like I had to do it. To but get through it. I love that thought just in general, because I think just even unpacking it, because every time, even though something is more important than a child at that point, like as a mother, like right. looking at it from a mother, it doesn't have to always necessarily have a monetary value, right? Mm -hmm. There's a lot of value that I get from, you know, like self-care or whatnot. Like maybe it's, mm -hmm. you know, going to a networking event that's promoting my business, or maybe it's going to a spa one day, or maybe it's going on a trip without my kids. It's mm -hmm. something that I need to recharge that allows me to be, come back and be a better, better mother or a better parent. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think that's equally as important. Yeah, I agree. And I, I, I push at the, that the self-care isn't just to be a better parent or to be a better mother or whatever. It's just to be a better me. And like, so we, 
we understand we're talking this weekend and we had just caught, gone back from vacation and I was like, hey, like uh, <laughs> we're going to get back and we got to rush and get Henry to his championship baseball game. And then we have this graduation party for one of Ada's sibling, friend's siblings. And, and then like, there's this party that I want to go to. And like, and I knew I was exhausted and it was, I had a rally to go and he was kind of grumpy about it. But he was like, it's fine. You can go. And then that night we were, we were chatting and he's like, does that stuff like fill you up? Like, does that like make you happy? Are you like, do you know me? And I, I was like, <laughs> yes. Well, yes. I'm like such an extrovert. Like, I know. Being around people does balance me out so much more. And, you know, we had been talking earlier about like 2020 being so hard. And I think for me, like it hit me so much harder because I was not able to fill up that way. Like Zoom worked for a period of time, but it was not what I needed to be around. I wasn't around people. I wasn't in those social settings that like so obviously feed me. Right. And I, so I think that, I think it's interesting because I don't think I am a bad parent when I, and I would not consider myself being a bad parent in 2020 or anything like that, but I definitely feel like it was, uh, it makes me a better person in general. So I think to that point, like it's okay if you're more important than your kid at that point. But I think when it comes down to business and you're talking about time spent in something like I loved his point of just having an expensive hobby. You can't just, for a time, everything's an expensive hobby, right? right? But you cannot sustain an expensive hobby. No. And I, I really, I, one, I thought he had amazing, like, nuggets of advice. Like, I felt like his business aptitude is, like, so just powerful. I don't know. Like, it's... I felt a little out of my depth at that point when he was talking about, like, product life cycle. But oh, I understand I it. No, but, but I loved we, how he we, verbalized it. Yes, yeah, so we do understand it. Because me and you have talked about this on so many occasions that, like, so we have the Bradford, right? And I'm terrified because you, because when we got into the business there, I could give you the five most popular wedding venues ever, right? Right. And those five popular wedding venues are no longer the most popular wedding venues at that. They're not. It's very different today. And so why were they so popular five years ago and they're not popular now? And I can tell you it's because they have not innovated. They have not changed the way they do anything. Mm-hmm. They haven't changed the way they market they have not grown with the clientele because they are no longer serving like just Gen Xers, right? right? They're serving millennials and they're starting to serve Gen Zers. So like what a Gen Zer wants is very different than what a millennial wanted, which is very different than what a Gen X person wanted, right? right. You have to understand that there is a product lifestyle life cycle. And I feel like it's different when you are at like a brick and mortar like place in a way but at the same time, it's not any different. Like you still have to change that product and what you're presenting yeah. to your couples that are meaningful. I know. I, I, I do think that. But I think that we are uniquely suited to do that because I think we are able to adapt. Like I, I even think back on like Bombay Company. Do you remember that? Like I a painting from them. I know. How everything came from Bombay Company. Mm-hmm. And it was this dark brown veneered wood and it was Mm -hmm. so popular and I think about like what your house looked like at say like in Nightdale when you lived there oh you're talking about me specifically you specifically (laughs) yeah okay we can talk about me how my house looked with the orange sofa Mm -hmm. and the multi-gray wall squares when you walked into the house and I had a lime green kitchen oh yeah right and then how it looks now right you're able to like bend and adapt with the time. So when you're talking to me about a venue, it's about like the style and what's relevant and what's not relevant and how people want their photos to look and whatnot. I think that, 
I, I agree with the venue side of things, but I think when it comes to like homes and personal style, I think you just settle and you figure out what you like. Like, I think I was so heavily influenced by the world around me. Like the, what, what I, like what I thought was stylish and what I thought was cool. And I loved Brown and like dark Brown. My wedding was dark Brown. Like I loved Brown and cream and champagne. And like I had this corner of a wall in my deals, like dark Brown and green. And I thought it was like, the best colors together and like now I'm like oh it's like so depressingly dark and I'm like give me the white give me the pink you know yeah. give me like I don't want to put curtains up like I mean I just very different but I think it's I think yes it is changing with the times but I think the way my house is now I'm gonna love it in 20 years I bet you'll look different I don't know I don't know I just I like the it's just I it feels more like me like mm-hmm. even now I can look back at that and say that was really really wasn't me yeah yeah, I, I love that. Like kind of like looking at the product life cycle. And I think it moves into when he was talking about what is it that you're trying to achieve? Yes. Even yes. though you're great at something, is it uh, something that everybody needs? I know, but it's so hard. Because if you're good at something, and, it, and but it's how you're raised. It's like if you're good at it, this is what you should do. Find what you're good at and go to school for it and have a career with it and mm-hmm. try to sell it. And it's a good question. Like, does the world need another bottle of lotion? Does it? No, it doesn't. It doesn't need any more shampoo. It doesn't need any more face cream. There's like enough <laughs> out there. Like no one's gonna invent something that something else isn't already. Yeah, doing. but you're in love with like that Monat. I am. And but I there was I, a lot of shampoo out at the time when Monat came out. But I before I did that, I looked at that Pros, which is very similar to that. Mm-hmm. Like there's very similar things out there. Like you think you could have been equally as happy probably I with think Pros? So. Yeah, the similar cost. Yeah. So interesting. Yeah. Should let our, your Monat representative know. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going anywhere with it. I've, I'm a <laughs> VIP customer because it does help my hair a lot. You're a VIP. What's, what's a VIP customer? I don't know. You get sales and shit. I don't know. <laughs> Much to Sam's chagrin. I'm like, hey, look, they have a men's line. He's like, I don't want it. I'm like, I just bought you some shampoo. <laughs> I just bought you. What's wrong with Sam's hair? He has dandruff. <laughs> I hadn't noticed. Sorry, Sam. (laughs) But good point. We don't need any more shampoo in the world. There's enough out there. Monat has been invented. Dead stop. Hard stop. Totally. (laughs) Well, I'm going to talk to Sam about that. He can tell me if there needs to be more shampoo. (laughs) If it's solved all his problems. I think he would have. He's been fine with head and shoulders in the past. He probably would have said it was stupid. Okay. I'm going to stop crying now. Okay. Uh, All right. Yeah. So I, getting back to the episode, I felt like too, like, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I just, I thought it was really amazing for him to, to even talk about like his, his conversation about standing in the gap and not bridging the gap. And I love that because yeah. I feel like going through, and I had this feeling like in 2020 when we were going through back last June when everything with George Floyd happened and, you know, there's all these posts. There's a lot of people saying like, what can we do as allies? What can we do? What can we do? And I remember feeling this like sense of it's nobody's job to tell you what to do because Mm -hmm. you know what to do. Like it's not rocket science. And there has been so much evidence prior to this moment and literal books written to say this is how you can be an ally this is how you can be an anti-racist all these things and it's not the job of our you know black friends to tell us how to act Mm -hmm. and how to be and i loved the idea and the visual of just standing in the middle 
and grabbing your hand and saying, come to this other side. Yeah. But not, but not creating the bridge necessarily because it's not their job to make the bridge. Yeah. Or just acknowledging that there is a gap and like being that, like I, when I think of standing in the gap, it makes me think of someone that's like an intermediary, mm-hmm. you know, like they're seeing it's a, it's an active role. It's not like a bridge is a passive role and it takes that yes. person deciding to walk yeah. over that to get to the other side. But when right. you have someone who's standing in the gap, like you're acting as the intermediary. So you're hearing it from this side and hearing it from this side and you're making those two sides meet. Mm-hmm. Like it's a little more active. I don't know. I just think that's, it's such a, a powerful visual. And I think it's so powerful to think about, are you someone who stands in the gap? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Like that piece, I don't know. Like it, it feels like kind of amazing and culturally significant, like to for him to have that platform, like mm-hmm. at that moment, like mm-hmm. what great timing, like to have like built that presence, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And to be able to have that, like, I don't feel as culturally significant. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like what gap do we stand in? Like the only, only thing that I can liken it to is being a, a female entrepreneur and being that uh, sounding board and um, being the helping hand to other female entrepreneurs. You right. know, that's the only thing that I can kind of liken it to. Yeah. I mean, like, so this is like totally a trivial comparison to this right. conversation. But so we live off a road, like a, our a main road or not main road, but like a we live off a road, a road, whatever. What? But we're not in a neighborhood. All that's so the where we you mean are, it takes a road to get to your house? Oh, shut up. Where we are, it is. Um, there's a bunch of other houses on it, and they are all like the original like owners settlers on this road, right? That's been there forever. Well, this neighborhood came in, and it's a small neighborhood. It's ten homes. They have well, there's there's been this like beef between the people on the road and the people in the neighborhood. For nothing other than the fact that when the neighborhood went in, everyone's wells went dry and they had to change the water table and dig new wells. And and the neighborhood's like, well, you have a paved road now. It used to be gravel and blah, 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 all this stuff. So there's like this this beef for some reason. Well, we're not in the neighborhood. We are on the road, on the road, as you just said. And our daughter is really good friends with another family in the neighborhood. And so mm-hmm. we started getting invited to the neighborhood cookouts. Like the only person on the three that got my neighborhood mm-hmm. cookouts, and they will make disparaging comments every now and again, randomly about about the road people. Well, about more like the the dogs on the road. Like, oh, that dog's so scary, you know. Mm-hmm. And the dog is not scary. It's just a big dog, and you know, yeah, whatever. And so we were there the other weekend at this party, and someone said something. We were we were talking about like the kids riding their bikes, like oh they go down they go down to the house with with the big dog. I was like yeah they love the dog. The dog's super nice. You just gotta say his name, and he just looks at you like I don't know his name, and he's fine. And they're like oh well they're so they're just like neglected. And I was like no they're not neglected. They get fed. They're like fat dogs. Like <laughs> they're fine. Like they just are outdoor country dogs. And Sam's so like yeah that's how like I was raised. That's how you know, dogs lived outside. They didn't live yeah. inside. And, and it was like, they had this opinion of these people that they don't yeah. know and they've never met. They haven't had an experience with other than this random moment in Taos or some sort. I don't even know. And we literally are like bridging the gap between or standing in the gap, I guess you could say between this neighborhood people and the road people. The road people. We're all perfectly yeah. fine people. And nice people all want the same things. Like, right. there's nothing different. They all want 
a quiet street, a safe street, you know, that's all that they want, Yeah, you know? And then sometimes I think about like how easy it is to do that, to be mm-hmm. that person. And sometimes it's not easy. Sometimes you're in a moment, you're in a situation at this cookout, all these people that are like, like peppering you with questions and making these comments. And you're like, about other road people. Yeah. And you're just like, and you want to fit in and you don't want to be like, yeah, you know, controversial, but you're like, no, like you have the wrong idea. Like these are actually very kind and very nice people. Yeah. You know, and they give them a chance. Like, I feel like we just explored this concept in the Raya and the dragon. Have you guys seen this? I haven't seen it yet, but (laughs) I feel that like, and so to me, it's like, is it, do I do it enough when it comes to, you know, uh, racially charged or whether it's socioeconomic or, you know, whatever it is, like, am I being that much of an advocate for somebody else? And I hope that I am like, I hope I take the uncomfortable path and say the things I need to say when I need to say them. I mean, we, um, we live in the country, the venues in the country, and there's a lot of differences of values, I would say, of the people that live around our venue. When you say, but so, but, but it's not a difference of opinion is different in principle. So do you feel like they're different in principle or like they're different in opinion? Yeah. I love that comment. But what I was going to say is I have made a concerted effort Mm -hmm. to get to know several of the neighbors Mm -hmm. um, because I think it's important to understand where we're at and like where they're coming from. And also just to like put a face to the sounds that come from our property every weekend. And it's been really interesting. We, whenever we had leftover wedding flowers and we used to do flowers, uh, we would often take bouquets down to the elderly people that live. Nora and I would walk them down a couple of lots over and we didn't see it much in 2020, obviously for reasons of 2020. And we've just started going back again and gone a couple of times. And I mean, the nicest, most welcoming people, like they just want to sit and have a talk. It just reminds me of like all of our extended family in, in Pennsylvania. And I feel like when you get to know people, when you spend that FaceTime, like when you actually go out and like bridge the gap and like try to offer just a hand of knowing, right? Mm-hmm. Let me get to know you. Mm-hmm. That people are a lot more similar than they are different. And I've noticed that, like, with the neighbors around. And I mean, mind you, there's a lot of differences. Yeah. Totally. A whole lot of differences. But there's a lot of similarities. And even when I feel like, oh, like, we're a nuisance, like, people see us as a nuisance to the community. And, like, when I talk to them, that's, like, not actually how they feel. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I'm so much more cognizant and aware and worried than I even need to be. Mm-hmm. You know, like they actually love the fact that it's there and, and appreciate it and mm-hmm. are very supportive. Mm-hmm. But when I don't talk to them and I spend long periods of time, like I do tend to make up stories that aren't necessarily their stories or just right. like my stories or how I feel. Mm-hmm. And I feel like when I tell you think about like the differences of opinion is a difference of principle. And I think sometimes it's just a difference of knowing, you know what I mean? And understanding. Yeah. And I think sometimes it takes someone like bridging the gap to be able to get to know the other side and another mm-hmm. viewpoint. So it's such a hard thing to do. It's so hard to put yourself into those uncomfortable positions. And for some people it's not, but for me, I like, I maybe I'm cowardly. I don't know, but I don't like, I don't like to be in those situations. Like I don't like to be the one that has to correct somebody. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be the difference of the different, different opinion. Even if I think I'm like hundred percent right. Like I am so much more of a get along person mm-hmm. that like, I will just like laugh it off, whatever. And I don't think I realized how 
dangerous that is. Oh yeah. Until really until 2020. And I realized how much, how complicit I was in so many things like that. I didn't, I took the easy route of not saying something and not speaking up and not correcting an opinion as opposed to just having the really hard conversation, you know, more like complacency. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, totally. Because, and it, it, I think someone posted something, it's like white privilege or or privilege in general, say, so privilege is when something doesn't affect you. Right. Yeah. And I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Something along those lines. So like, that's so true because even like we were going through like the election and it was like, so rough and, and me and Sam were talking like at the end of the day, no matter who gets elected, it's really not going to change my life that much. Right. It's not going to change like your day to day. No, it's not going to change anything substantial enough for me to be all up in arms about it, but it's going to affect the lives of so many people that I'm up in arms about it. Yeah. You know, totally. And recognizing that and saying, I don't know. Like it's a privilege not to have to think of yourself as privileged or not privileged basically is what the comment was. was like the privilege is, not having to think about it. Oh, right. Totally. Yeah. Right. Like knowing that like we're not in a place in our life where it's going to affect us. Right. But I don't know. It's, but it's still, it's, I really appreciate people like Greg who are forging a path and who are having those conversations and who are sharing these amazing stories and who are standing in the gap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause I, I feel like I think it's important to work right now. It's so important. And I, I think it's like what our world needs. We mm-hmm. need to be able to see people as humans, mm-hmm. no matter what. Yeah. Do you feel like there is somebody in your life that has been that influential that oh, like considers his grandfather to be so influential in his life? This is a loaded question. Who listens to this podcast? It's me. Just say it. It's <laughs> you. I mean, I can just, there's been many people I've been influential. There's been many situations that have been influential. There's been so much I've learned about myself walking through life, mm-hmm. you know, and that have been formed by different people, you, husband, mm-hmm. mom, whatever, but getting to business, like just circling back to like, even the reason that I feel like that we're in like hospitality and making memories and events, I think is our grandmother. Mm-hmm. I feel like we really got to reflect on this when we were building the ballroom and what we were going to name it. And we named it the Doherty Ballroom in her honor, because when I reflect back on hospitality and I reflect back on some of the most important and memorable moments of my life that Mm -hmm. I enjoyed so much were because of her Mm -hmm. and everything that she, I guess I were to sacrifice for it, but it didn't even look like a sacrifice. Like she made it look so fun and enjoyable. Mm -hmm. And she always just had this way of making it seem effortless even though now as an adult, I know there was so much effort put into all of those like Christmas memories and Mm -hmm. birthday memories. She still like sends our kids, all the grandkids money on their college fund, a card that she never misses a birthday. I mean, it's just, I don't know, probably her in terms of being in the business of hospitality. Mm -hmm. I feel like she is probably one of the more influential people in my life. But she like loves so unconditionally. She does. Yeah. Like, genuinely unconditionally yeah like people have wronged her hurt her and like she's still like you if you like needed money or a loan she was there whether you paid it back in a timely manner or not or like and she never made it awkward like she's always like she was she Mm -hmm. is she's still alive she's a great person (laughs) she's still yes i still Uh, get the benefit of of all that yeah i agree with that i think for i mean obviously formative years and whatnot. I think for me, the most influential person 
other than my grandmother. She's mm-hmm. still an answer. Yeah, sorry. Um, but I do, I think that you have a different relationship with her than I did. I think you were closer to her when as a kid. Yeah. For sure. But I don't know. I think the person who's changed my life the most is probably Sam, honestly. Mm-hmm. I think he challenged yeah. the way I thought in ways I don't think I ever would have thought. Yeah. Like, I think he opened my eyes to a world that's not as simple as I thought it would be, mm-hmm. as I thought it was, as I was taught that it was, that it was everything happens for a reason. And so you took the wrong pill and you pray hard enough and you'll be fine and yeah. everything will be fine. And there's no pain in life. It's just all for the goodness of something you don't understand. Like, you know, and I think I don't disagree with that fully at this point as an adult, but I just feel like there's so much more to life than that. And there's so yeah. much more understanding and there's so much more compassion that I think I ever, that I give now to people. Like I'm so much more compassionate and empathetic. Yeah. Of a person. Cause I can see how different walks of life, how one tiny shift of a change in how you were raised and the fact that you had two parents that loved you or the fact that you didn't have to worry about where you're going to eat your dinner or mm-hmm. the fact that I had my college paid for or that I didn't walk out with thousands of dollars of debt or I said I needed a car and my grandmother would loan me money to, for me to buy a car. Like how different mm-hmm. my life is because of that. Yeah. And I didn't earn a single minute of it. Yeah. It's not because I worked hard. It's not because... Some it's what you were born into. I was born into. Yeah. And I don't think I ever would have recognized that. Yeah. I'm taking a strong number two spot in Dana's <laughs> most influential people. Maybe it's a 1.5. I don't know. <laughs> Thanks, everyone, for gathering with us today to talk about The Hustle. To learn more about Greg and his magazine, visit SubstantialMagazine.com or follow them on Instagram at SubstanceMags with a Z. And to learn more about our hustles, visit CNDEvents.com, TheBradfordNC.com, and HustleAndGather.com. Or follow us on Instagram at CNDEvents, at TheBradfordNC, and at HustleAndGather. And if you like this show, be sure to subscribe and leave us a rating and a review. This podcast is a production of Your Fluence. I'm Courtney. And I'm Dana. And we'll talk with you next time on Hustle and Gather.